the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about the things you care the most about, questions about God and questions about the historical Jesus, questions about the Bible, uh, questions about worldviews and world religions. Yesterday we had Dr. Jim Dennison on talking about the coming tsunami and and his book covers some of the amazing things that we've been talking about literally for the past two years. Obviously, it it has gained um, it has gained. What's the word I'm looking for? It's gained. Um, I, I, I'm at a loss for the word, but more and more attention about the rise of the post-truth culture, the rise of the sexual revolution, the rise of critical theory, the rise of secular religion. And today, um, and over the last couple of days, the Johns Hopkins uh, University has come out with their report on um, the mitigation factors, if you will, that surround COVID. And What's interesting to me is that um, there is there's more and more. Um, the bottom line is that what they found is that there doesn't seem to be a great deal of evidence that the mitigation factors that were uh, brought on by the um, the powers that be were effective. Now, my friend Joel Rosenberg at All Israel News, their, one of their headlines was, as Israel crosses the 9,000 COVID death mark, this this is in Israel, they said, he reports, Johns Hopkins study concludes, lockdowns have had little or no effect on COVID-19 mortality. And that's pretty amazing. He, they go on and say, quote, it's a huge report, and I haven't read the report in its entirety. It's almost impossible. So th- this is a gigantic report, and I can see why it's not being reported in the, in the mainstream media all of that much, because it is a gigantic um, amount of information to to digest. But all Israel news has done some of the digesting, and said, while this meta-analysis concludes that lockdowns have had little to no public health effects, they've imposed enormous economic and social costs where they've been adopted. This according to the Johns Hopkins authors. They wrote, in consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. Now, I found that absolutely fascinating. 
Israel imposed three national lockdowns in 2020 and 2021 that lasted months at a time. And um, again, as they count the number of dead, according to the Ministry of Health, nearly one-third of the nation's population of 9.3 million has had COVID. That, that's 3 million-plus people since the onset of the pandemic, and at least some 6.7 million Israelis have received at least one shot of the Pfizer COVID-19 uh, vaccine since December. 6.1 million received two, 4.4 million three, and 653,000 people a fourth shot. So, again, this stunning news from Johns Hopkins. Now, how do we digest that information? And again, the number 303-873-1935, that's the number if you want to join me on the program. Because there's there's a growing consensus that um, that people are pretty much fed up with this, and um, so a, a, a couple of other outlets have been reporting some of the information on this. So I'm going to see if I can't find it. And of course, one of them was the the, the headline that was at CBN News, which is um, that that Kaiser had done a survey and and found out that 75 percent of the people in the United States are just pretty much sick and tired of the pandemic. Seventy seven percent believe most people will eventually get the virus. A third of those surveyed saw the pandemic as the country's biggest problem. And again, reporting at CBNnews.com, they say medical experts predict that the end of the Omicron surge may signal the transition from what they're calling a pandemic to an endemic. When a disease is endemic, it's no longer unpredictably disruptive. In other words, it becomes a part of life. And Stuart Ray, who's an infectious disease expert, professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins University, told a number of different news outlets uh, that Americans have built up a great deal of immunity as a result of the huge wave of Omicron infections. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping in the not-too-distant future to have my friend uh, Dr. Ted Pauline on to talk a little bit about that about this Johns Hopkins report, what it means, um, what information is credible and what information is not credible. But this doctor, Dr. Stuart Ray, who's the professor of medicine at Johns Hopkins University, uh, points out some of the challenges with thinking about an endemic state that it's not always a good thing. He said, quote, Tuberculosis and malaria are endemic in some countries and have had had devastating effects. He said millions of people die every year from these endemic diseases. So just because it's endemic doesn't mean that it's mild. And again, experts point to the need for better vaccines. Now, 
What's interesting, again, remember, the experts said vaccines, and then the experts said better vaccines. And this leads me to yet another issue. Now, remember, remember, we've been asked and we've been willing to um, follow the science. I'm not a person who's a science hater or a science denier. But again, let's just think this through for just a moment. If you work at the CDC, you don't have to get the shot. If you work at the White House, you don't have to get the shot. If you're a congressman or a senator on Capitol Hill or you work for one, you don't have to get the shot. But if you're a pilot that's been given decades of your life, education and profession, you do have to get the shot. And so imagine doctors, lawyers, servicemen, 3,000 servicemen are going to lose their job today because they didn't get the shot. So they made their message crystal clear. Do what we say, but not like we do. And they won't just fire you. They'll strip you of everything that you have, your pension, your livelihood, your future. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Inviting you to call 303-873-1935. Would love to take your call on the Bible on a passage, on a question. So if you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. Jim is, of course, standing by to take the call, 303-873-1935. And we've been talking a little bit about some of the things in the news. And one of the things that's troubling, of course, in Florida is a judge has uh, ruled that an underage minor has the right to seek an abortion without parental consent. Now, this story isn't just simply about abortion or about a culture that's committed to abortion. This story is also about a growing belief that the primary relationship between parent and child can be inappropriately, I'm going to, again, use the term that the government can intercede. Now, there are times when the state and the government must intercede when the health and well-being of a child um, is at risk or a child has been um, the victim of a crime and the parents are the ones who perpetrated the crime. But there's something more. There's something more going on as there is an ever-increasing wedge that both the popular culture and the government is putting in place to separate parents from their children. Another important um, news story was the release of a 280-page report by Amnesty International 
yesterday that basically declared that Israel's an apartheid state. Now, the report, I haven't had a chance to read the report, but my friend again, Joel Rosenberg, has basically said that it's not an honest, it's not a balanced work of scholarship. Joel goes so far as to call it an act of war. Because remember, part of the point that Amnesty International is making is that Israel doesn't have the right to exist. Bassam Aid, who's a Palestinian peace activist, basically said, quote, Israel is not an apartheid state. Now, they, they have their differences of opinion, but, but not that. Joel Rosenberg says that this particular report was designed first and foremost to generate headlines all over the world, branding Israel as a country that's committing crimes against humanity, further inflaming the world's extreme media bias. And so, again, at allisrael.com, Joel uses some fairly stunning words to describe his response. He doesn't just simply see it as a report. He sees it as an invitation, if you will, on the part of um, Amnesty International to misrepresent what's going on. He said not only was it meant to generate headlines, but it was also meant to get people all over the world reading those headlines, to believe that Israel hates the Arabs, persecutes the Arabs, segregates the Arabs, doesn't provide or protect Arabs' basic human rights or civil rights. It was also designed to persuade governments and businesses and religious leaders and individuals to take a wide range of hostile actions, be they resolutions against the against Israel and the United Nations, or the imposition of yet more boycott sanctions or uh, divestments against Israel, just to name a few things. And again, my friend um, Joel Rosenberg, who's a, a fairly prolific writer and a, and a, a fairly uh, knowledgeable person on this subject basically said, hey, he's, he was trying to make his way through. I wish I could have him on. I know it's it's like really, really late in Israel right at this very moment. I've got to check my phone to see what time it is in Jerusalem. But again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. Happy to take your call. I've got open lines. Joel basically said that the report is disgusting. It's filled with venom, spewing hatred. I'm quoting Joel, replete with rank and revolting anti-Semitism. He writes, the the strategy is obvious, and for a season it will fool some, maybe even many. Joel says, but let not your heart be troubled. In the end, this strategy won't succeed. Why? because it's built on lies. And because the God of Israel, the God who describes Israel as the apple of his eye in Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, won't let it succeed. 
And so, again, it begs yet that ongoing question. Some people might think that that evangelical Christians have a have a kind of an almost uh, blind eye when it comes to the nation state of Israel. But I don't think that that's true. Joel Rosenberg has been a critic of the Israeli government in under many circumstances. Um, but again, he's been an advocate as well. So 303-873-873. 1935. That's the number. If you want to join me on the program, 303-873-1935. I'm going to come back to this allisrael.com um, <laughs> column that's been written by Joel Rosenberg so that we can talk a little bit more about Israel, but I'm happy, happy, happy to take your call. 303-873-1935. Do I have time to talk with Jason? Okay, Jason, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hey, Jason. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I have a question or maybe some advice I could get. Um, my wife's aunt is has had cancer. Uh, for She's been fighting it for, I think, six years now. Wow. And um, it's kind of come to kind of come to the end. We, we're... You know, we're getting a lot of information from her doctors and stuff, sure. and it, it's not looking really promising at this point. Um, and I don't know where she stands with the Lord, but um, I I know she's had a very, like a lot of us, had a very checkered past, and um, I would like to some advice on how to speak to her about accepting Jesus and, and knowing where sure. she is. You know what? I think what I would begin by doing is by simply asking her. I would just simply ask her. Um, you know, does she is she in a in a position where she can articulate her own beliefs about what's happening to her? Yes, yes. And the other thing is, is it's going to have to be done over the phone. Um, yeah. We're not going to be able to see her. Yeah, I, I I would I would begin by uh, telling her about how much you love her and care about her, and I would also continue by talking to her and asking her, tell me um, a little bit about what you believe about what's going to happen. What's what's going to happen in the, at, at at the next chapter when the okay. chapter is closed, when your life comes to an end? What tell me what you believe about God? And just let her talk and then ask her, tell me what you believe about Jesus and let her talk. It doesn't just listen. Mm-hmm. And um, and then ask her, tell me what you believe about heaven and hell. And let her talk. Because usually when you do that, she'll reciprocate. She'll say, I've told you what I think. Tell me what you think. And it's right. different when she invites you. To, to tell her versus you mm-hmm. just asking her. Okay? Right. Okay. All right. I Thank hope you. that. Hey, 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And again, um, Jason and Lafayette, if you're still listening about, um, you know, about some suggestions about how to begin a, uh, a conversation 
with this person that you love and you care about. Um, what I would do is I, even though you have to do it over the phone, you know, I, I would basically ask some questions, you know, it could be something as simple. Um, you know, do you have a Bible? Not that you believe it or don't believe it, but if you have it handy, cause I might ask you, you know, to give me some thoughts on a particular passage or, um, what the Bible says about a given subject. Um, you know, according to the Bible, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there's, there's a growing sense about how important hearing the gospel is. And so that comes from Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing the gospel or the message. And the gospel is heard through the words of Christ. Now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Another way of translating that might be faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Jesus. And so um, when you're asking a person to read a passage, it's okay to say to them, tell me what it is that you're reading. And so when you ask a person to read a Bible passage and you ask the question, what does this say to you? In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus's response, what's written in the law or what does the scripture say? How do you read it? In other words, his response is, what does the scripture say? How do you read it? And so ask the non-believer to read out loud passages. And of course, passages that maybe hopefully you're familiar with. But I would ask her, you know, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Tell me about what you believe about Jesus. Um, and as difficult as this question is, I would ask the question in in the most sensitive way I, I could muster. If you died right now, where would you go? And if heaven, why? And of course, maybe one of the most difficult, difficult questions in the whole wide world to ask is this. If what you believe isn't true, would you want to know it? If what you believe isn't true, would you want to know it? Now, obviously, we've got all kinds of issues involved with that statement, like what is truth and what is the evidence that we would use to determine if something is true or false? And on what basis do we um, come to the conclusion that something is true or false? And so I hope that helps. 303-873-1935. I was talking about the Amnesty International uh, report that came out that basically makes some stunning accusations against 
Israel. And um, again, what Joel Rosenberg talks about at allisrael.com, he gives a list of some things that he thinks that the church, evangelicals, that people who identify themselves as lovers of Jesus, lovers of the Bible, um, how in the world do you talk about this? Even, you know, how do you talk about Israel? And he says the best way to counter this demonic declaration of war is by prayer and by speaking the truth. He says, he writes, King David commanded us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in Psalm 122, verse 6. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's be more faithful to this command than ever before, because while the amnesty strategy won't succeed, it can do damage in the near term. Because if we ask and we answer the question, is it possible that lies can do damage? And I think we all could answer in the affirmative. Even if we believe that the truth will prevail in the end, that in the end, just like the Bible says, be sure that sin will find you out. Jesus said that the that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so he points out a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention. Here are seven things he says that you should know as you're thinking, as you get more and more information about the Amnesty International Report. He says, number one, fair-minded Arabs know that Amnesty is lying about Israel. As the head of the Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group said today, quote, while it is not a perfect country, Israel is definitely not an apartheid state, unquote. Palestinians have many frustrations with and grievances against the state of Israel, but they know the amnesty report is not even close to being accurate. Quote, my name is Basim Aid. He's the founder uh, of, of the video, or he's the founder of this uh, Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group. Um, he said, as a Palestinian peace activist and the founder of the Jerusalem-based Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group, I'm here to set the record straight. The international community is yet again lying about Israel. He said, while it's not a perfect country, Israel's not an apartheid state. Just a few days after Israel President Isaac Herzog met with Emirati leader Crown Prince Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, to make peace and normalize relations, Amnesty International released a full a report full of misinformation and lies about Israel, he said. He said, quote, Amnesty International and other Israeli haters can't seem to live with the fact that the world is embracing Israel with open arms. They want to continue demonizing Israel and denying it the right to exist as the one and only Jewish state, unquote. So again, asking and answering that question, does Israel have the right to exist as a Jewish state? There are, I don't know how many, but I'm going to guess dozens of Islam, Muslim-dominant 
or Muslim countries that that would identify themselves as a Muslim state. And by the way, the dictionary definition of apartheid is, quote, a former policy of segregation and political, social, and economic discrimination against the non-white majority in the Republic of South Africa. Is that what Israel's involved in or engaged in? Not really. 21% of Israel's population of 9.5 million people are Arabs. Do they have all of the rights that all other Israeli citizens have under Israeli law? Yeah. In 1948, nearly a million Jews lived in the Arab world. How many Jews live in the Arab world at this very moment? If you said almost none, you would be correct. This is 2022. From 1948, with a million Jews living in the Arab world, to 2021, with almost no Jews living in the Arab world, which country really is forcing the other out? This is Gina Teresa. I'll have more when we come back. 303-873-1935. This is good. That means my mic is hot. Hey, we were talking a little bit about the Amnesty International Report making the accusation that Israel is an apartheid state and literally coming to the conclusion that um, leaving the readers who are who are reading the report with the um, with, with the the sense that Israel doesn't have a right to exist now again if we ask and we answer that question, since Israel has become a nation state since 1948, if you were to ask just that very simple question, do they have the right to exist? Earlier, I talked about in 1948, nearly a million Jews lived in the Arab world. Right before, obviously, from 1930 forward, there were millions of Jews living in the Ukraine. There were millions of Jews living in Poland and in Germany. But what percentage of the Palestinian Authority's population is Jewish? If you were to guess. Zero. What percentage of Lebanon's population is Jewish? Zero. What percentage of Syria's population is Jewish? That would be zero. What percentage of Jordan's population is Jewish? That would be zero. What percentage of Egypt's population is Jewish? Uh, that would be zero. What percentage of Iraq's population is Jewish? That would be zero. What percentage of Libya's population is Jewish? That would be zero. And you could go on and on and on and on with this. There are very few Jews living in, say, Syria or Iran. Do they have equal rights under the law? The leaders of six Arab countries made peace with Israel. Why? Because they know that Israel is not an apartheid state. 
and that Israel actively protects the human rights of its Arab citizens and has tried repeatedly to make peace with the Palestinians. Again, 303-873-1935. That's why Egypt made peace with Israel in 1979. That's why Jordan made peace with Israel in 1994. That's why the United Arab Emirates made peace with Israel in 2020. Bahrain made peace with Israel in 2020. Sudan made peace with Israel in 2020. Morocco made peace with Israel in 2020. Arab citizens have the right to vote, to form their own political parties, serve in Israel's parliament known as the Knesset. And so these human rights are enshrined in Israeli law from the foundation of the nation state. The first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, and his colleagues vowed in Israel's Declaration of Independence on May 14, 1948, they said, quote, the state of Israel will foster the development of the country for the benefit of all of its inhabitants. It will be based on freedom, justice, and peace. As envisioned by the prophets of Israel, it will ensure complete equality of social and political rights to all of its inhabitants, irrespective of religion, race, or sex. It will guarantee freedom of religion, conscience, language, education, and culture. It will safeguard the holy places of all religions, and it will be faithful to the principles of the Charter of the United Nations, unquote. So at this very moment, 14 Arab citizens of Israel serve in their Knesset. Since the first parliamentary session began in 1949, 98 Arab and Druze citizens of Israel have served in the Knesset. The current Israeli government coalition is actively supported by an Israeli Arab political party known as Ra'am. The decision by Mansour Abbas and the members of Ra'am in June 2020 were historic. And so Arab citizens of Israel, both Christian and Muslim, serve as judges in Israeli courts and even justices on the Israeli Supreme Court. George Kara is one of the, uh, he's a very powerful, high-profile Israeli Arab and a Christian who serves on Israel, Israeli Supreme Court. And um, 63 Arab judges serve in various Israeli courts, accounting for about 8.3% of all of the judges in the system. A third of the Arab judges uh, were Christian, 52%, and uh, Muslim, and Druze. So, what do you say? Well, you again, pray. And when you have the opportunity, tell the truth. That's probably the most effective way to deal with people who are lying. You'll remember, of course, the very famous statement by British philosopher Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. You know, some scholars (laughs) don't believe Burke ever said it. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. 
but it is the truth. And so talk about it. Joel Rosenberg says, fight back against the lies on social media, on talk radio, in letters to the editor. And again, you can find his article at allisrael.com. He talks about do it in your schools, do it at the college, do it at the university, in conversations with your family and friends. Refer them to All Israel News and, of course, their sister site, All Arab News. And, of course, what I would encourage you to do, in part, is go to gotquestions.org. Why? Go to gotquestions.org, type in Israel. Does God have a plan? So, again, um, we have a question that says, should Christians support the nation of Israel? And at our article, which I agree with, Christians should definitely support the nation of Israel. We have to remember that Israel, the nation, is special to God. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6, 7, and 8, For you are a people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples, for you were the fewest of the peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to you, your forefathers, that he brought to you with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and the power of the Pharaoh king of Egypt, unquote. So God's purpose, in part, bless the world through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, eventually Jesus. Already he has done so in measure. John says in John chapter 4, verse 22, salvation is from the Jews. But the fullness of future blessing is indicated by a wondrous promise in Isaiah 27, 6. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the world with fruit. God has unfinished business with Israel. God has perhaps even unfinished business with you. 303-873-1935. Happy to take your calls and answer your questions when we come back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. 